Hello, 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 hello. It's good to see you. Say hello. Welcome to the Huskies Hockey Podcast. Welby and Andrew recapping another weekend at Huskies Hockey. Uh, overtime loss and a victory uh, for the men's team uh, as they take four points away from Western Michigan. And then uh, the women uh, go ahead up to Bemidji, sweep the Beavers, um, and get a taste of depth scoring, which is something that obviously has been missing from the women's team. So happy to eat a little bit of crow there. But let's uh, start off on the uh, men's side, uh, Andrew. And I feel it was kind of a tale of two games. Uh, Friday, didn't think they played that well um, and still managed to kind of choke that one away. Um, and Saturday, I thought they played actually pretty well and just didn't convert on a lot of chances. Um, but, uh, luckily we got the one and then the two empty netters. So, um, overtime loss, that kind of stings, but in the end we jumped up to 11 on a very fragile pairwise button, uh, or bubble, I should say. So I guess that's the main thing to take away from the series. Yeah, it the Saturday game after after the Friday overtime loss, the Saturday game had a significant weight. Uh, biggest game of the year to date. As we mentioned in the last show, two losses to Western, even if it is an overtime, would have flipped that comparison back to Western. And I think you would have tumbled uh, probably out, outside the top 14 for sure if you would have lost that Saturday game as well. So, it was a, a giant game, and we'll obviously touch on the Friday game. Have a, I have a feeling we've got some thoughts about how that how that game progressed. But uh, the Saturday game, you know, it's a season saver at this point, and pretty much every game at this point has uh, just gigantic weight. And it's good that the Huskies were able to, I think, put in a, a very good defensive showing. I agree that the offense could have clicked a little bit better. Um, And also, obviously we're going to talk a lot about Isaac Posh getting both starts this weekend. And I think he stepped up Uh, good on Larson. I think good call for both nights. I think bringing him in, not not surprising to it's surprising to put him in on Friday. And then I think he was a little bit better than the four goal performance would have, would have indicated on Friday. And then, but to show the confidence and, putting them back in there on Saturday and being rewarded with a shutout. We might be seeing the transition here mm-hmm. between main starters. I uh, texted a buddy after it said, he's my default guy the rest of the way, which doesn't mean to say that Bassie's ever, never going to get another sniff this year, but he's kind of in the Bassie position prior to last weekend, for instance, where I kind of assume he's posh is going to be the starter now on Fridays. And maybe Bassie gets in only due to a, poor posh performance but we really haven't seen a poor posh performance yet and let's hope we don't but don't want to get too ahead of ourselves but those are the big takeaways that the saturday game was so huge and biggest win of the year so far this year and for that to be the win the saturday game it feels like we've we've got some more positivity it's it's better to end a four-point weekend on the saturday than the other way around because then we might be singing a different tune but happy to see the huskies 
put in a great performance on Saturday to get the job done. Yeah, I just ran the uh, hypothetical pairwise scenario, and a, this is helpful. Yes. And a loss. What would that have been on on a loss on Saturday? Would have dropped us to sixteen. So yeah. a five spot drop, which I'll I'll get into this a little bit later here. Um, but you know, just. I feel like we're kind of in a weird position right now in the pairwise that we haven't seen in quite a bit because you've got the top nine are locks, you know, at 99 or above percent. And then you've got this big cliff. Um, You don't have anyone in like the low nineties or the eighties as a percentile to, to get in. Um, But then all of a sudden you've got, you know, five or six teams kind of fighting for about four spots. Um, uh, depending on, you know, how the ECAC goes. Um, but I, you know, that I'm going to consider that safe, but we'll talk about that later. Let's focus on the Huskies. Now I'm getting off track. I'm sorry. Um, now, like I said, I didn't think we played incredibly well, but you still hold a two nothing and then a three to one lead, especially a three to one lead in the third period. You got to find a way to close out those games. Um, and it was, uh, disappointing, uh, to kind of let, western kind of get back in all week all game i thought it was bizarre that i felt like we were falling down on the ice quite a bit i just we we just felt off we didn't we weren't really connecting um and it was just kind of a frustrating game uh they tied up we get that chance late um when they were playing with six guys uh, for an extended period of time um, then obviously at the Werner Mietning goal, uh, that was, uh, disallowed due to, uh, the non-conclusive evidence that the puck actually crossed the goal line. I know a lot of Husky fans on Twitter. I had a lot of, uh, a lot of thoughts on that, on that call. Um, so just, uh, you know, I'm obviously not going to blame the loss, um, on that, that we got hosed by any way, cause we clearly don't put yourself into that position. It's unfortunate that that wasn't a goal, but I do think it was the right call. Um, how do you feel about that? Well, yeah, just so so to back up, I, I agree with sort of the the first the anal- analysis of the first fifty eight minutes and change. You know, that first period scoreless, but Western had a a decent shot advantage. I thought it was maybe a little deceiving they didn't have a ton of grade a's but we're definitely controlling play uh, possession and i think you could say that throughout the entire game really um but the huskies were able to be opportunistic on their chances uh i think a a clever goal for a coin to start the scoring off with that uh two-on-one with uh, ingram um, and kind of whiffs on the shot, but then sees that bro is in a position that he can sort of bank in the puck. If he, if he flicks it right on his skate, that's exactly what happened. And beautiful pass by Ingram so, over there too. To avoid yeah. And, and in this situation, we've talking a lot about him as far as like being more assertive and shooting in those situations. I thought this was the right decision to pass. It, it, it looked like it was going to be uh, just unfortunate kind of whiff or bouncing puck a little bit, but then a coin is able to save it and, and do something smart with it and put, put the Huskies up. And then that second goal, a great little power forward move from, uh, from Kupka. Yeah, that was nice. Uh, right off the draw. I just, I just love 
that's why that's why Kupka has mentioned is kind of becoming my favorite player is plays like that where just is able to sense a vulnerability from the defense and just take it right to the house and and put it home but then it's so that play it's two to nothing about what halfway through the the second and Western then comes back, scores 20, 30 seconds later. I got some serious Omaha vibes yeah. for that seven to six game. Cause it's like, you know, that one was a game where you're about halfway through it's two, nothing and feel like this is when the Huskies are going to pull away. But then right away, Western Western gets back in the game. And from that point, I'm just kind of biting my fingernails thinking, well, just when is the other shoe going to drop kind of expecting uh, Western to tie it fairly closely uh, after scoring the first goal for them. But, you know, credit more to St. Cloud for the rest of that second period where they were locked down uh, and then score that third goal with, with Okabe on the power play. Uh, and <laughs> three to one. Beard almost uh, lost it there on the blue line. <laughs> uh, yep. Yep. So, but I, I good save. I tweeted out um, about a little after midway through the second period. Um, because that period was the first part, just boring. It was just kind of, there was a lot of stoppages, slow paced. And I said, you know, I tweeted out something along the lines of, if you want somebody to get into hockey, don't show them this period because it wasn't a great period by any stretch. Um, and then sure enough, three goals in about the two minutes span. I was like, oh, okay. Things started to pick up. And so, I mean, feeling as confident as I can be, you know, still we're being outshot at that point, but it wasn't completely lopsided going into the third period up two goals at home against a team that you've had success against this year. Good team. I mean, Western's not a bad team by any stretch of the imagination. I think they, I mean, they, they impressed me this weekend. It's not like they blew me away, but I feel like they're definitely a a legit tournament team. Um, They haven't clinched it uh, just as much as the Huskies haven't either, but yeah, you know, certainly wouldn't shock me if they if they are in the field of sixteen uh, at the end of the season here. But um, so I, a good game between two good teams. Um, but uh, you know, mentioning that after that uh, Omaha game, so that was at that point the third time you've blown a two nothing lead, not one. And we're adding a, a fourth, and this is the uh, the first of those four. We had the two goal lead in the third period, which stings even more. And coming pretty short succession kind of early in the third period. I think the third goal is the one that Posh wants to have back of the ones that he gave up on Friday. I'm not really sure exactly what happened there. If he didn't have a good look on the puck, it almost looked like the shot might have been going wide, but then it was um, deflected in. I don't know if it was off of Posh, kind of an ugly looking goal. The four or the uh, third goal, I should say, um, who was that that blew that coverage? Falk. Was it Falk? Falk. He he had a bad game. Yeah. Yeah, he, he bit a little early on that play. And he bit early and sprung. took the wrong guy. I mean, that's where yeah. obviously you can't let anyone behind you, and he did. He let just somebody behind him. It was a nice nice pass to get um, uh, get to him. Uh, that was uh, Wentz pass. Um. Oh no, that was oh, well. Michaels, Michaels was the guy that took the puck in, took the initial shot, and then it was a rebound with with Phillips. I think right I think Phil, Phillips passed it to Michaels, who then Michaels got the rebound. Out. There, I think that's right. It was kind of a neutral zone. Yeah. 
a breakdown for, for Falk, um, which certainly wasn't, uh, wasn't nice to watch. Uh, and so three to three brand new fall game and, uh, frustrating because the momentum that you feel like you had at the end of the second period, Western had gotten that back, uh, and then obviously gets the, the, the tying goal. Then St. Cloud gets a break I'm kind of feeling that we're counting towards overtime, but Western takes a too many men penalty and sets up a power play, which wasn't all that productive. Um, but then right after the, the penalty ends, a uh, great pass from, from Okabe cross ice pass sees Werner there on the doorstep threads, the needle uh, gets it to him. And, and then it's a, uh, it's a diving save or is, yeah, it? Or is it? I've got, uh, I've called I, it Schrodinger's goal is, uh, is kind of what I've, I've termed it. Yeah. Now you were asking me on my thoughts on this. The moment that, um, Starman said uh, Todd Anderson's name. <laughs> I kind of knew what the outcome was. <laughs> that was news to me too. I've thought we were done with him, but then it's like, of course, in this league, you fail up. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, like Don Adam before him, he's he hangs up the skates, but he still has his authority as some sort of video judge um, review official. Um, which I'm not sure I knew that that was a, that was something that the NCHC did. So they have like a replay official up, up top in each of these games. Um, but so my confidence was not very high seeing these replays, uh, you know, and, and Starman kept saying, well, they, they can't see the puck. You got to see the puck cross the line. Um, that's not in the rule book. Uh, the rule book all just, it just says it needs to be conclusive evidence. I think my, my opinion, what we saw the two angles in particular, the two overhead angles, the one with the goal line running vertically, and then the one with the goal line running horizontally, those two angles, those in combination count really just the one, uh, overhead with the vertically aligned, um, goal line. I think that counts as conclusive evidence. It was clearly his glove, his entirety of his glove and the webbing of the glove was entirely in the net past the goal line. The fact that you don't see the fleck of black across the goal line is sort of immaterial to making that decision. Um, It's, it depends on human logic and the positioning of the goalie and and where he caught the glove. We know that the puck was going towards the net. You could see it streak in on the video. And we know that it ended up in Rose glove. You could see the contact of the puck inside the glove. Uh, When you see the two angles where his glove is clearly beyond inside the goal line. um, I think that's the conclusive, all the conclusive evidence that you need. The reason to have to see the puck especially because it's in his glove, it's sort of a, it's a stupid, useless standard. You can, you can make the decision without having to see the puck is what I, is what I'm saying. And I, I was pretty frustrated by it because from what I can tell, from what I can gather, I'm a hundred percent sure that that puck went in the net. And I think that an official can make that judgment too. having to stick to this standard of needing to see 
the puck uh, across the goal line. It's it it's frustrating because I think it's it it gets you it it gives you the potential to ignore the truth and it's too high of a standard. You're you're looking for one tree when the whole zoomed out look of the forest will suffice. Just use a little common sense. I think it should have been a goal. I think there was conclusive evidence to overturn the call. I'm not shocked. I'll put it that way. Uh, and it's another it's another reason why I effing hate reviews. If this was uh, if this was the scenario where it was called no goal on the ice, I would be fine with that. That's a human in the heat of the moment. I would have probably called it the same way that the goal uh, the official on the ice would have called it. But the fact that we have to stop the game for five minutes, see these these multiple angles, and then still come to that sort of overly, it's obtuse, it's it's devoid of human logic. That's what a robot, that's, that's the sort of uh, conclusion a robot comes to. I, well, I can't see the puck. Where is the puck? We're human beings. We can combine multiple things at once and... Um, come to that conclusion. If if video replay can be anything, it's in that particular instance where something like a machine cannot detect a certain outcome. Humans should be able to use their brains and come together and uh, overturn that call. But because we're sort of slaves to these rules, and well, well gotta see the puck. Where's the puck? Uh, then clowns like this make this decision. I hate it, uh, and. I I disagree with saying that that was the correct call because I think that they had the conclusive evidence right in front of their face and they still uh, dismissed it. I mean, it goes to what you consider conclusive. And in the end, what Todd Anderson and, you know, um, you know, the referees determine what is conclusive. Now, you can have these you know, moments of logic and deduce that, yes, it did go past the goal line, which I also believe that's the case, but even seeing it live and seeing everything, I was like, there's no way they're going to overturn it because how the referees have always determined it from what I've noticed is that you're going to need a good, solid evidence to count a goal in college hockey. And that's that evidence that was provided wasn't, solid enough and that's you know maybe if the frame rate on the camera was a little bit better so you can see the puck a little bit more clearly to actually see where the entrance of the puck in the webbing was i don't know it, 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 that could have been something a little bit different too but i think in the end when you you i i, I just had that feeling where i knew where this was going to end up and it was just going to be like they're they're not going to count it because of all of the precedents that they've set beforehand. As annoying as that is, because you should be able to, yes, use your logic, use, you know, be able to deduce it, but you know, how you determine must include conclusive video evidence. That's which I think we, we saw. I know we disagree on that, but and I that's, feel the like thing. that's what we yeah. saw. If they're clinging to this, we have to see the puck. Where's the puck? Uh, you know, pushing up their glasses and just, oh, well, I can't see the puck there. Um, then you're really, stu- you're more stupid than I thought you were, Todd Anderson. Um, <laughs> because again, 
if it, the only part, the only part of the glove that it wasn't completely in the net would have been like the wrist pad area. Wrist area. If it yeah. would have hit that, it would have bounced off. It wouldn't have been caught in the webbing of the glove. Uh, again, it's our society adjudicates uh, decisions way more important than hockey goals on much less of a standard of proof. Um, you know, jury trials do not include video evidence generally of a <laughs> crime being perpetrated. If there was such an evidence that wouldn't go to trial most likely. So what, the, what do people use? It's circumstantial evidence, witness testimony, forensic evidence, we're asking jurors to put a law and order <laughs> NCHC what's the, dun, make dun. a decision that's it has to be beyond a reasonable doubt, meaning there can be a doubt, but those doubts are unreasonable to say that that puck didn't cross the line. I believe is an unreasonable doubt because it would have to have defied the laws of time and space and physics for him to have not caught the puck beyond the point that it crossed the line. Again, you can have a doubt, and I think that's what they're they're hanging their hat on, mm-hmm. is that we just want to be 100% sure. But th- this is a standard that we, if, if you're going to apply a 100% sure standard, that's the recipe for, you know, video reviews every five minutes in a game. It's a uh, like standard do. of, if you're going to be that, that uh, slavish to the rule book, you're going to get 10 times... Uh, too many men call pretty much any line change on the fly is subject to a too many men call 70 holding penalties per game. Again, we're, we're asking you to have a little bit of common sense here. And uh, yeah, I don't, I don't need, sometimes I don't need the video evidence. If I see you go into a barber shop and then a half an hour later, I see you got shorter hair. I don't need to actually have video evidence of the barber with the scissors in his hands to, to infer that you got a haircut. And in a similar sense, I didn't need to see the fleck of black uh, beyond, beyond the uh, the goal line to know that it was beyond the point of the goal line. And it's to me, it's the evidence was conclusive. It's just their idea of what conclusive is, is erroneous and devoid of logic and stupid <laughs> and obtuse, intentionally obtuse. And I hate it. <laughs> but other than that, I thought it was a great game. <laughs> Other other than that, uh, Mrs. Kennedy, how was your and trip? And I, I will agree too. And I'll I'll agree I'll agree with uh, with your point too. Is you can't lay this one on that call. I can't say that that call absolutely changed. This wasn't a overtime winning goal, for instance. They still had a minute a, and a, a half hold left on Perbix for any. <laughs> it was not like something like that. You know, it wasn't a, a buzzer beater goal. Um, they still had a minute and a half. It would be unreasonable for me to say that that call in and of itself robbed the Huskies of a victory because there was still a minute and a half in the game and Western very well could have come back and tied the game with an extra attacker goal. It would have put the game like 90% plus for the Huskies to win. It was a huge swing, obviously, but I can't reasonably say that that was the deciding factor in the game. And as as you said, yeah, don't blow the the two two goal third period lead. I'll I'll say uh, props to Brett Larson. Did you read his post game comments I, after Friday? I did watch the press conference. Yep. I I just I read the the uh, the transcript, I guess, in the the Rink Live write up, but very strident in his comments and very much on the record saying that he thought that that was a goal and they sh- they should have overturned it. 
based on what the angles that they were given. I, I don't know. I haven't heard if he's been fined. You don't see that too often um, with an NCHC ref kind of being so clear and and forth, forthright about being upset with the call. But I, I agreed with everything he said, too, because he said, you know, Western probably outplayed us throughout that game. Maybe they deserve to win. We still didn't. We shouldn't have blown the two two goal lead in the third period. I was nodding along vigorously mm-hmm. to all of his post game comments, and uh, and it's but also he was able to get the team back up the mat. Some some teams, some players and coaches will let that that sort of anger Spiral. and that negativity ca- yeah. carry over into the next game, and and to his credit, was able to you know get the chins up and get the group ready for what was, like I said, a huge uh, game the following night and, and prepare them for, for a, a, an excellent performance I thought on Saturday. So I don't know. I feel like that's enough. I mean, it, we didn't, I guess, mention the Alex bump winner. I mean, I guess uh, when we get to overtime, I'm not overly confident with this group. No, I shouldn't be. I guess maybe we should have been more confident because Western is even worse than St. Cloud is in overtime. This is their first win uh, in the extra session after five losses in overtime. Uh, but uh, not much to say as far as the St. Cloud chances. I can't even remember if they had a great chance uh, during the uh, minute and a half or, or so that overtime was. But Bump uh, came in with a nice shot to, to beat uh, to be posh and. That's how that's how Friday night ended. Yeah. And I think that was the result again of a defenseman going down, kind of leaving their skates and just bump kind of waiting for the defenseman to get out of the way, which has been more and more common. And I hate it more and more every time that the Huskies do it. We've gotten into a big habit of trying to lay out flat and just everyone's too good at this level. They'll just stop. <laughs> you take yourself out of the play. Um, one thing that I do want to point out since that was Western Michigan's last goal of the weekend, um, it was their heavy hitters. Um, that was it that scored and, and, and took over that game. You know, uh, we've talked about in the past where sometimes it's these third or fourth line grinders that can kind of be a thorn in all of the Husky sides, but wasn't the case this weekend. Um, you, you expect Granger to be on the score sheet. You expect bump to be on the score sheet. They both were. So, um, yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a big top line that they have. Yeah. Wentz their biggest goal scorer, but, um, just the one assist for him. And I, I think they kept him off the score sheet in November as well. Um, it contained him at least, but that, that Granger line with Colangelo also, um, a pretty good line for them. Mm-hmm. And as you mentioned, I mean, first of all, has been able to do this on the fly the three years he's been there, construct a, a uh, real, real solid top line uh, and no, no difference this year. And so to keep them at four goals, you know, three in regulation than the one in clown hockey, and then to shut out a team like that, uh, you know, this is a team that scores four plus goals a game. Uh, that's doubly impressive um, to keep a, a high powered offense like that off the board completely in a game. Yep. So, uh, Schrodinger's goal, the goal that's both a goal and not a goal. Um, uh, turn the page on that one. Uh, Saturday's game, uh, by very big surprise when we got the lineup uh, sheet and we see, um, and I text you also the lineup sheet and uh, you put it 
uh, pretty well that just, uh, what, put it in a blender, draw names out of a hat. What did you say? I don't remember. Either one of those. Yeah, blend, blendered up the lineup um, like, a, like a bad uh, margarita from Applebee's. <laughs> oh, um, man. And you, you, you really slushied <sighs> it up. Uh, God, and... Applebee's margaritas. That, that brings me back. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, yet, uh, Solquist, uh, dropped down to the third line gross with Kupka and Okabe, um, Molinar with the Mietnins, um, Posh again with the start. So you had a kind of a hodgepodge, uh, Barrett Hall sits. Oh, Barrett Hall is out. Which was a surprise. Um, I didn't mention Warren Clark who sat, um, on the Friday game. So he got the start in the Saturday game. Um, who I thought the Saturday game played incredibly well. Um, yeah, I thought it was pretty so good. So that um, I, I said a couple of weeks ago, where sometimes, you know, being a scratch and seeing the game from an elevated level, kind of see the soft spots of the ice. Hopefully, that kind of resonated with him. So he stepped up. I thought big. Um, and I, I thought it was a more complete effort. Uh, from the Huskies. Um, still felt like we fell down quite a bit, but. Um, maybe it's the unseasonably warm temperatures off the Mississippi river that has kept the ice a little bit softer. Uh, but the, um, uh, uh, VT alpha was able to get the goal, um, and, uh, get the win for the Huskies. And it was a, um, uh, and then two empty netters. So, throw that on there tripling their their empty yes, net production for this year exactly. just the one coming in with also Kupka, with also Kupka the yeah. omaha series which i forgot about yep so until i was and then and then molinar as alex well. was able to molinar's first goal in a while yeah uh his first goal in, uh, since november um so i updated my little shot chart posted on twitter of where his goals are and obviously all around the goal mouth which I think the Huskies have gotten away from that grease pan area um, for the goals. And it's been a little bit frustrating for me. Now the power play has been working down low, which I've liked a little bit more, Um, but it's, you know, some of the other type goals, it it hasn't been nitty gritty. We're trying to snipe it maybe a little bit too much, but Aside from that, uh, VT was able to kind of get a goal whiffs on the first shot, um, you know, that early in the third, uh, but able to regroup again and then uh, whistles the pass row uh, with some traffic out in front. It's always interesting, you know, with, when VT shoots because it's it's one of those things where it's like it, it, it works enough to where I'm not upset anytime that he shoots the puck, but sometimes his shot selection were are, are puzzling. It's like, why are you shooting it right there? But then I would have thought that if this one didn't go in, because I don't think there was any way he should have shot it. And sure enough, it went in. So maybe I should just shut up and take these goals. Um, Cause he's clearly one of the most dynamic shooters we have on the team. Yeah, I would, I would tend to, yeah, his, his, uh, what, what shot score shot sheet? What, what, what's the term for that? Uh, when you're talking about, yeah, the Molinar all around the net, um, shot chart yeah. for his goals. Um, uh, yeah, the opposite of Molinar. <laughs> this would be like a, like an umbrella shape across like the top of the slot and right around the top of the circles as well. Uh, 
yeah, different different types of players, and that's good to have a bit of a mix because yeah. it, it seemed like so long that we were kind of uh, relying too heavily on on Mietnin and those perimeter chances, and able to have not just like Molinar, but I would I would classify Kupka. I bet you his shot shot chart uh, is similar in terms of when he's scoring. Lots of down down low. Uh, deep, gritty, greasy kind of goals for him. Um, except for the empty netters, those would be his two long, <laughs> non non close range goals. Uh, but uh, so it's good to have a bit of a mix between the two. And uh, yeah, it was you know scoreless going into the third period. It was a weird game. No, no one team was really dominating. I would say Saint Cloud had the better chances, but certainly not you know by leaps and bounds. And uh, that first goal, he kind of figured who I was going to score first is probably going to ride this one out. And I thought a little bit of a, you know, that was a gunslinger move from Verschweiler to pull the goalie there at three minutes left, uh, getting the uh, the face off in the zone. Well, obviously, 2020s or hindsight's 2020 because it it worked as poorly as it could have with Saint Cloud winning that draw and then Kupka very very quickly. Uh, putting the empty netter away, but that's even one. Cause it was so early. I'm like, I, I, I can't say that this game's over. Yeah. It's not like this was the end of it. So you almost, uh, I wasn't satisfied or comfortable, let's say until that second empty netter came. I in. think he saw yeah. uh bright Adelski film and was like, I think Adelski would pull at this point and give up two empty net goals. And that's, that's sure what he does. We'll, we'll take it. So, um, yeah, I like I said, I like the power play. Um, better pace. I still think how, it, you know, St. Cloud, the defense, and how it reacts to pressure into fast teams, I still think kind of gets them in trouble. Um, and that's kind of what you saw with some of the blown coverages. Um, but I think all in all, uh, Saturday's game was a little bit was better. It was it was um I thought we played a little bit cleaner, um, a little bit more structured. Posh came up big when he needed to, um, got the shutout and uh yeah, a, a big four points in the standings and uh here we are with uh two weekends left to go, Denver and Minnesota Duluth uh coming up. So it was um uh, a big weekend for obviously pairwise and, and points situation. Uh, we're still kind of in the hunt uh, for a for a Penrose, although kind of on the outside looking in there. But more importantly, um, you know, if we stay on this right side of the bubble on the pairwise, yeah, that that's really all I'm uh, concerned with. I, I like I said last week, I sort of had written off the Penrose after after the uh, eight game skid, mm-hmm. winless or well regulation winless skid. You did have the overtime win in CC in that in that time period, but. And then you kind of got back to it a little bit of a, you got some help with CC sweeping North Dakota, put that back into play. But from my perspective, it's the NCAAs is the more important um, goal here. And uh, yeah, North Dakota gaining a couple points on you this weekend with their sweep. So they're up a full three points. They've got the uh, tiebreaker with the over the regulation wins on you right now. So that seems unlikely, uh, but um this this weekend four points against Western uh, does does well in terms of um, uh, close to clinching home ice. Yep. Uh, you're one 
you're three points away from doing it. So you can either do that with getting three points from St. Cloud's perspective or Western uh, dropping three points. And they're at North Dakota this weekend. So even if they lose one of those games, no matter what St. Cloud does, that would clinch home ice for the, for the Huskies. So you're closing in on that. Uh, but then more importantly, it's still on this bubble. Uh, and you improved your position this weekend. That's just what the goal should be. Some of that is not in your control because it's based on what the other teams around you are also doing. But as long as you can do what you can and control the games in front of you, I think this weekend, if we want to get into the, uh, we'll get into that. I know we got pows, but just, yeah. So Keep keep it keep the uh, goal in front of you. Don't get too too worried about the other contenders that you're battling with. But um, this weekend, I think was a an overall plus, and even maybe more so because we might have learned something about Isaac Posh uh, that not only is he good and kind of hey once a once a weekend action he can he can carry, he can carry. a weekend yep. too. Yep. Um, I just want to go back uh, quickly because as we were. Um, you know, after the victory on Saturday, and it was uh, Colorado College against Omaha. Um, I pulled up my uh, uh, pairwise um, hypothetical uh, and uh, just kind of su- see what uh, would have happened, um, just kind of in the different outcomes as the CC Omaha game was going on. Um, and it was kind of interesting that, yeah, because uh, uh, what happened, what was going on was Providence, Western, and St. Cloud were all tied with uh, the same number of comparisons. Western Michigan had the higher RPI than Providence and then St. Cloud last. So that's why we were all tied for the same amount, but we were on the lower end of that, which is why we were at 14, I believe. Um, so how it works is that... Um, Omaha's tie with CC, if they tied or beat CC, this would have happened. It knocked um, down uh, Western Michigan's RPI just enough to break the three-way tie comparison. Um, So then they would lose the comparison to uh, Providence in RPI by Uh, 0.002. And then, uh, so now they own that comparison. And since St. Cloud already has a comparison for the victories, against Western, we vault them. So the outcome of the Omaha CC game was directly the reason why we were able to jump up as much as a pairwise. That's how fragile everything is right Right. now in this bubble. So um, again, we'll talk, we got a lot to talk about with the pairwise. This is going to be a meaty episode, but um, as you can tell by, you know, future you listening and seeing the timestamp. Anyway, uh, pow, go ahead. Who you got? I've raved about him already. Um, quite enough, but Isaac Posh, uh, Kowalski's woo also says Posh. And that's kind of the easy answer. And it's the right answer. It's easy for a reason. Um, just seeing him in, in this game. And like I said, maybe there's some, he wants to give back. That's going to happen. Um, but overall, I thought he was composed. I thought he was just yeah. a lot more confident in that. And he just seemed poised. Yeah. He's got he some just poise. Seemed... Like he feels like he's been doing it for, for a yeah. while. Not, not giving off freshman vibes. Just really relaxed back there. So it's, I, th- I think you can tell that's going to be 
So when he gets beat, he doesn't do the the freeze the frame freeze frame of he, oh. which I, which annoys me. <laughs> um, he just he fishes the puck out of that and says, "Let's go yep. back at it." So, so. Um, that clean sweep uh, for Posh for Player of the Week um, and Player of the Weekend. So uh, turn our eyes to Denver, um, who uh, had a little bit of a, a scare on the Friday game against Miami uh, before taking care of business on Saturday. One quick note, uh, Massimo Rizzo has been out the last couple of weeks for Denver. And then it was just reported that Carter King is going to be out two to four weeks. So their top two centers are going to be out this weekend. Um, for King's always been a pest against the Huskies too. Exactly. So I, I kind of like hearing that. And Rizzo's definitely going to be out We've, for this weekend. He's been week to week. So we, Rizzo might yeah. be back. Um, I mean, plan, plan for that. I mean, yeah. this is a good team and you should plan for facing the best possible players that they have. Now, if I'm Carl, you know we've got available. the tournament kind of lined up already, but you know, there's no real reason to rush him back. But at the same time, he's a competitor and he wants to compete and win. So I understand that aspect of it too. Yeah. And from Denver's perspective, yes, solid for the NCAAs. You mentioned they're they're within that what top nine teams that are ninety nine percent and above in the in the vaunted matrix. CHN pairwise probability matrix. Um, so that doesn't seem to be in question, but. Um, yeah, like conference home ice. They haven't wrapped that up. Uh, you know, they're five points ahead of Western. Uh, Western would have the tiebreaker over them. And Western does have games in Grand Forks this weekend. You'd feel like it's likely that Denver will finish in the top four. But as far as, you know, they got CC right behind them too. And they finished the regular season with a home and home with them. Uh, and so they're, still definitely jockeying for playoff position. And yeah, if they finish fourth and match up with Western Michigan in the first round, a team that's handled them better than pretty much anyone else in the conference other than North Dakota has this year. I mean, I don't think that's an ideal draw for uh, for Denver. So I I don't think these games are meaningless by any stretch of the imagination and uh, guys with health of Rizzo, I'm sure would factor into you're going to want to have the best players possible play if they're healthy enough to do so. Uh, yeah, it didn't seem like we've – it's been too long since we saw Denver. I mean, it was early January, first games of the second half for St. Cloud. The start of the uh, of that swoon, I suppose, was, was in Denver. Um, Posh has seen Denver. I mean, again, at this point, I'm expecting him to play on Friday, yeah. Posh. Um, he would have seen the last game that these two teams played, the 4-4 tie with the uh, – that was one of those two goal cough up jobs from the Huskies perspective. That one mainly on the uh, heels of that five minute power play that Alcabi took that uh, Denver was able to tie the game up there. Don't need to relive those memories. Um, but uh, so Posh has seen this team already, which uh, I, I'm kind of glad if we're going to ride him, I'm glad that he's got some time facing uh, this vaunted offense already. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I didn't see any of that Friday game with, with Miami, uh, shocked to see that result. And it was three to one lead. And we're talking coughing up two goal leads at the Huskies. I mean, Denver did that same thing to a much worse opponent 
uh, on Friday, three to one. And then Miami scores with about eight minutes left. And then with about three minutes left to tie that game, bring it to overtime, uh, Denver couldn't score in the extra uh, frame and had to settle for a shootout win. And then, return to business and eight to one win where the one goal that Miami <laughs> scored, did you see that one? That I was did. one of those once a year, uh delayed penalty or a, a, a failed clear to the point ricochets off the boards and in for an own goal. I always love those. Feels like those have been more frequent. Like I, I would have said that they're like once every half decade kind of goals, but I remember the Gophers had one of those last year against Wisconsin. And I think Duluth had one against Western too last year. I think there was two of them last year even, but uh, I've never seen one in a Husky game and I hope I never do um, <laughs> at least the one that would go against the Huskies. Cause I, that would, that's just I, torture. I saw uh Schlossman's tweet um, who confirmed that even though Matt Davis made 27 of 27 saves, he does not he get, get the shutout. Is he? Is that count as a goal against him? That doesn't count against him, but he still okay. doesn't it's get just a team goal. It's a team goal, but yeah. he does not get credit for a shutout, even though yeah. he was the goaltender who played. He did. That's a good goal. random box score kind of mm-hmm. quirk because it says Matt Davis twenty seven saves, zero goals against. Empty net, zero saves, one oh, goals God. against. What a sieve. In an eight to one game, eight to one game, eight to one win. But you know, at that so, time, what it was, one nothing. It was two nothing, two, two nothing, nothing Denver. Okay, and then so that made it two to I mean, one at the end of the first. So who knows? You get some momentum there, and but it's Miami, it's Miami, and so you knew they how already that was. stole their they already stole their one point for the weekend there <laughs> on Friday. So it's not to be not to be done again. Not to be done. On Denver's watch, but yeah, so uh, we know this team vaunted offense, bad defense, (laughs) bad. Well, I mean, real good scoring defense. They got four defensemen that are 20 plus points already right now, which is pretty nuts. Um, Let's see. One, two. They got 11 guys that are 20 plus and they got guys at 18 and 19 points. I mean, you're going to have. 13, 14 guys with 20 plus points this year, uh, spreading the offense around. It's divine at the top of the score sheet, 47 points. And then Rizzo behind him with 44 Rizzo being more of the playmaker divine being the finisher divine having sort of an unsustainable shot percentage. It's been dwindling. It's now just under 20% for most of the season. It was closer to 25%. That was bound to regress a little bit and it has, but still a dynamic player with a great shot and got to definitely keep an eye out for him. But this is uh, you know, if we thought Western's got that impressive top line and even kind of line and a half, cause you got other guys like bump uh, as well. That's not on that Colangelo line, but with Denver, you got to kind of feel there were like three lines deep and, yeah. and then got to look out for like some, some offensive defensemen as well too. Uh, you know, excellent power play. St. Cloud doesn't need to know. You need to learn about that. They saw it firsthand in that series in January. And as we also saw in that series, particularly on that Saturday game, you know, it's Matt Davis played pretty well. It's got to be one of his better games of the year. Um, that Friday win for, for Denver, the five to one win, but the Saturday game 
four goals allowed there and a couple of those I remember being not the best goals to give up. And, you know, he's at a 901 save percentage, which is, I would probably guess his high watermark for this year. Majority of the year, it was down like the 880s. He was hurt for a good chunk of the year too. Basically the month of October, or excuse me, November, December, he was out. They had to call, they had to dip into a future recruit, get him out of USHL. Uh, They were so desperate at one point because this Freddie Halleck was, was not cutting it. So, I mean, he's, uh, Davis has played every game here since the second half started. And so I, I would assume that's going to continue. And as mentioned, he's been playing better. Um, but, uh, but he's a goalie that St. Cloud has been able to, to solve, um, this year in the last game they played him and want to see that happen again. And yeah, with that offensive defense, they're going to, they're going to be pinching aggressively, which will result in springing St. Cloud um, for some offense. We're talking about like opportunistic chances. This is going to be a weekend that you're going to want to cash in cash on those in, kind yeah. of opportunities. Um, and because Denver's a, a extremely fast team, St. Cloud's a fast team. Denver's got a step or two on them, I think. And they have the, uh, the depth that St. Cloud doesn't. But I still think that St. Cloud matches up fairly well with his team. And um, I like the prospect of, if we're kind of looking forward here, I think getting a split in this series is what you, that's like our kind of baseline, mm-hmm. I think. It seems like St. Cloud plays well against Denver at home. You know, like swept them last year at home. Denver, I don't think, likes playing in St. Cloud. I mean, it's the fat ice. I don't know. You feel a fast team like that. They'd, they'd be well suited for that. But historically, this has been a matchup that has favored the home team. Uh, and with St. Cloud at home, I'm kind of feeling a, a, a split plus. Yeah. I, I can't expect that, but I feel like getting a win, like splitting the series, I don't think is going to hurt you too bad. Sure, um, definitely. And But I, I like last year, I feel like this is a, a team where you might be able to put together two good games and maybe get more than three points. Uh, if I'm going to, if you're going to put a gun to my head, I'm going to say three points a piece this weekend. What, where, where are you feeling? Um, yeah, I think it has split kind of written all over it. Um, it's, you know, when I think about that uh, January series, obviously there's two things that kind of come to my mind. One is the, you know, coming out of that series, I was incredibly still high on the Huskies um, for their performance and really saying that we were only outplayed one period. And that was that one period on Friday where we let in five goals. Um, And so that sticks out to me. And then at the last period on Saturday, that third period, not the overtime where um, we were able just to kind of hang on to it. But I think we outshot them like eighteen to two, eighteen to four, three, eighteen to three. Like that, yeah. Um, and we had just plenty of chances and weren't able to uh, end up getting uh, getting the puck past Davis. So it's I, I do think that it, yeah, like you said, it's it's a team I think we match up pretty well against. Um, but just with how they're able to score, I I'm just worried about this defense. I hope they stay on their stay on their feet and i hope they're really ready for the aggressiveness that's going to come at them 
And if they are, like I said, I like their chances. Um, and especially if they're going to have their two top centers out, I'm going to like it even more. Yeah. Saw how pivotal special teams was in that first series. Denver, it feels like they've been like this in the, in the Carl era. Great power play, terrible penalty kill. Mm-hmm. Like you, you give and you get, I guess. Uh, and so staying out of the box, I mean, is, is a huge key for St. Cloud because Okabe doesn't take that five minute major. I think I said, like, I think St. Cloud won by three yeah. in that game because he probably would have gotten out of the second period up two. And then that third period, if you played as well as you did in the, in the um, it, as it was tied, obviously it's a counter narrative. We can't, um, we can't say that St. Cloud would have outplayed them to that extent had it been four to two, but you'd feel like they would have been able to kind of ride that to a fairly comfortable road win as, as comfortable as you can at, at, at Magnus. Mm-hmm. But, but the but- butterflies wings flapped a different way. And maybe Todd Anderson was the one that made the call that game. <laughs> reviewed that review, one too. Uh, which I don't really think that was conclusive evidence. If you ask me that <laughs> uh, head contact on that major, but, uh, but I digress. I think yeah, at least just keep, stay out of the five minute, uh, major opportunities, those against this team, this Denver team, that's not a good recipe. So staying fit out, staying disciplined. We saw on Friday against Western zero penalties yep. for St. Cloud. I mean, that was to the point where they were in that game. I think it was largely because you were able to keep, I know, you know, Western's got a good power play as well too, keeping that power play on ice and not letting them uh, even even have a power play uh, was it was a big factor in that and only take, taking a couple of penalties on saturday too so it's it, that's that's the best way to to have a good to not give up power play goals is to not take penalties that's to begin with very true take a page out of vd mietnan <laughs> and never take penalties and um that'll be that'll be helpful but because i think like that 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 saturday third period in denver most of that, they, St. Cloud had a late power play uh, that they were able to. They had a great chance, I think, with Coop on the doorstep. Yeah. Uh, that's the one that's I think still in their nightmares. Um, but uh, but that was mostly five on five action and uh, taking out that that Friday disastrous second period against Denver on five on five play. I think St. Cloud you know, slightly outplayed them, uh, and there were some periods of of that weekend where you clearly outplayed them five on five so that that gives me some hope and i feel like denver has been you know i mean they've you know two winning and winning plus in both last two weekends at denver and then versus miami one regulation win in each of those weekends and then one shootout win against miami and the overtime win against duluth so, I mean, they're unbeaten in a while here, but it feels like, you know, dropping points to the likes of Duluth and Miami, the seven, nine team, seven, eight teams in the conference right now, feels like they aren't quite as, as hot as they were when you saw them in January. Maybe they're a little bit more vulnerable and making those adjustments second time around and see a team like this. It'll be interesting to see who makes those adjustments better. Um, I, again, I, I feel like St. Cloud's, um, play one of their better games of the year against Western. You can maybe use that as momentum looking forward here and, and getting at least one big win here this weekend. I think uh, that would be huge. Yeah, that'd be huge for the pairwise. So um, around college hockey, um, anything else kind of strike your fancy? Um, 
you know, I was a little bit surprised to see um, an Ohio State uh, victory over Michigan State. Um, after well, they're, yeah, they're picking a weird time to have a huge <laughs> effect on the conference standings because they they took two wins against Wisconsin last weekend. Yeah, one of those was in overtime, uh, but then this was a team that only had one regulation win in conference prior to last weekend, but three wins, two in regulation, one in overtime against the top two teams that set up huge series this weekend to basically decide who's going to win that regular season title in the big tens at Wisconsin versus Michigan state, uh, Wisconsin down by two points and double check that. Yeah. 49 to 47 Michigan state is in front so whoever takes a, you know, if Michigan State, State they need to take, I wonder who has the tiebreaker. Because if there's a four-point weekend from Wisconsin, you see that. But so, I mean, if, if Wisconsin sweeps the series, that, that'll be easy enough. Uh, that would give Wisconsin the regular season title. So Michigan State swept them earlier in the year at Michigan State. So they would hold, if Wisconsin were to Sweep that would take care of it. If there was a win and a tie, if it was four points for Wisconsin and two for Michigan State, Michigan State would win. So Michigan, so Wisconsin needs five or more points, and they could certainly do it. They're playing at home, uh, and as we mentioned, Michigan State, you know, losing to Ohio State kind of decisively on Friday, six to two. It can be done. I don't. I feel like. I feel like Wisconsin's the better team. Michigan State, I think, has some vulnerabilities on the defensive side. Um, but that'll be an interesting one. It's a, it's a fun time of year because we're getting into playoffs. We are into playoffs on the women's side. We'll get to them a little bit here in the show. But this last weekend, or this, this coming weekend, will be the last weekend regular season play in the Big Ten, as well as the CCHA and the ECAC. Uh, Hockey East is starting their playoffs or excuse me, Atlantic Hockey is starting our playoffs. Hockey East and NCHC are both two more weekends of regular season action to go. So I think that Big Ten series is going to be a huge one. I, I think we have some compelling ones because that'll be a battle for first for the regular season title between those two teams. And then we'll basically have the same thing occur in the CCHA with Bemidji State and, and Mankato. Um, Bemidji State hosting Mankato this weekend. And somehow Bemidji has a four point lead in the CCHA standings. It's just like, this has been such a, a weird and slash terrible year for the CCHA that <laughs> Bemidji state can rattle off six straight wins. One of them, you know, three of them overtime results, one, a shootout victory, but that vaunts them into the uh, first place in, in the conference that somebody has to win. Um, it was even so weird that Michigan Tech swept Bowling Green this weekend. But prior to that, Bowling Green had snuck into a second place tie who had been in like the 50s in pairwise all year long. <laughs> so that would have really been weird if they were to have won the conference. But um, Bemidji playing at home against Mankato. And for that one, that needs to be... So Bemidji with a four-point lead, they split in their earlier series at Mankato. January 29th, Bowling Green was 62 in the pairwise. Wow. (laughs) 
So if Minnesota, if Minnesota State takes five points, they'd be in a tie. And boy, they would have the same amount of regulation wins too. I don't know how you'd break that tie if that was the case. So let's make it easy. If Minnesota State sweeps that series, they hop Bemidji and win that. But if anything else, other than the possibility of a five-point weekend for Mankato, which at that point, I'm just doing the shrug emoji. <laughs> um, who do you got? You, you think Bemidji can win one game? Basically, if they split, they win the series. Can they do that? It's Bemidji. Keep that in mind. It's Bemidji. It's at Bemidji. Like, weird things can happen there. Um, I'm looking at their history, um, or like this last year or the earlier this year in November, their last meeting, uh, Mankato won five to one. And then Bemidji won seven to six. It's a crazy game. Which, I think Mankato had like a three, nothing lead in that game too. Excuse me. They had a five to two, five lead to two lead in the first period. It was five to three after the first period ended. And Bemidji got up Crazy to a game. two nothing lead. Mankato scored the next five in about an eight minute span. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, in the end, Bemidji ends up, uh, yeah, three goals in the third period to complete Late the comeback. The third, like last six minutes, score three to to win it. Yep, seven goals. That used to be a month's worth of goals for Bemidji. For Bemidji yeah, scoring them in one game. And I would have said after that that series at St. Cloud spanked them six to one in both games. I would have said they maybe like arguably were worse than Miami, like being the worst team St. Cloud has played this year. With them being on the threshold of winning a conference title, I can't think he can say that, but maybe that that's a counterfactual. Like if Miami's playing the CCHA, which some people would really want them to to do that, but would they be like a competing for a conference title maybe and keep in mind we just mentioned bowling green was god awful and we're like sniffing competition here in in this the last week so it's it can be interesting to see the compare and contrast the two leagues here different leagues to one another it's night and day so to answer your question do i think they're going to maybe do I want them to? Yeah. I think just you want Bemidji to win. Yeah. I think that's a story. I think that's, I think that's like a big, big, uh, upside down question mark of WTFs going on out here. I think this is a great, I think just randomly Bemidji takes home some hardware. Good for them. That's cute. <laughs> cute Very little cute. league and, they got there. And you can't, I, would you be able to bet on them as as taking home the tournament? God title no for the CCHA. <laughs> Absolutely not. No. I bet they would lose in the second round. Like they wouldn't even get to the title game. No, that's all I'll say. Yeah, I don't think so. Anyway, we can we can circle back on because I mean the rush that they've been on. I mean they they beat St. Thomas. They beat Ferris. Own St. Thomas. That's like the big thing. They swept St. Thomas four games this year. Yep. They won all four games against them. Yep. They swept Ferris and then took five points uh, from Northern Michigan. So, I mean, looking at who they were going up against, and obviously I'm going to say this with kind of a grain of salt, but it's not like they're going up against, you know, the echelon of the CCHA. Right. And you mentioned. Except St. Thomas, you know, 
has been solid versus every team that isn't Bemidji State. Right. So. Yeah, I mean, if St. Thomas wins one of those games, they'd be at 39 points, and Bemidji would be at 39. So if Bemidji went 3-1 and one instead of 4-0, and oh, it'd be a two-way tie with St. Thomas and Bemidji at mm-hmm. top of the conference. Now, is again. that is something I could have got on board with, St. Thomas winning it all. Just chaos. That would be chaos. Here's a little bit of chaos. You mentioned Ferris F and State. Yeah. I did some math. Um, Ferris F and State at 19 conference points. And Ferris State in the pairwise, 63, uh, which if St- if Stonehill wasn't a D1 team, which you can argue they really ain't, uh, they would be the worst team in pairwise. In men's hockey. Stone- Stonehill. In-, in men's hockey. Give credit uh, to the women's team. I horrendous mean, yeah they're, they're in the new how playoffs so we'll get to them <laughs> i i've got them on my list so don't uh sorry don't forget but um so they have 19 conference points they have one more conference game scheduling quirk for some reason they and lake superior split up one of their series so they were just playing a single game this weekend so the most ferris can can get for conference points this year is 22 points augustana who played a limited CCHA schedule. They just played one series against all the other eight teams. So a total of 16 games. Again, these don't count in conference because they're not a fully fledged conference member, but you add up their points. If, if they were conference points on the line against their CCHA teams, Augustana would have had 24 points this year. And that's just, that's with, that's counting two overtime ties in which they didn't play a shootout. So it's potentially they could have had 26 points even. So dig that. Augustana in their first year of D1 playing eight fewer games <laughs> in conference would have still placed above Ferris Eppin State in the CCHA. Whew. I almost think that they should let them be the eighth seed in the CCHA tournament because of that. Because it's like you played eight more games, you couldn't even get five more points uh, versus, you know, in comparison to a, first year upstart team in Augustana. I thought that was a interesting, interesting quirk and good on Garrett or Boyne for making me bring that up. Yeah. Uh, let's see what we got. Quinnipiac winning another ECAC regular season title. This is, this is how many, how many in a row now? It's just four in a row. Well, they're not the 2020 was the COVID year. So I don't think they, yeah, they didn't count. They didn't count it. Title there. So five in a row, really, if you're counting it that way. Feels like more, but they had a little bit of a lull there in 17, 18 and, and 16, 17. But they didn't win the regular season title, but it uh, didn't seem to break much of a sweat uh, this year. Cornell, we should mention, because they're one of those teams that St. Cloud is trying to fend off for one of these last at-large uh, positions and. Did not have a very good weekend uh, this last weekend. Gave up a last-minute goal to Clarkson on Friday to tie that game. Then Clarkson beat him in overtime. And then they were down 2-0. I had this game on as my secondary game um, on the iPad on Saturday. They were down 2-0 with under two minutes to go in the third period on Friday. Excuse me, on Saturday against St. Lawrence. Ended up tying that game with six seconds left. Then St. Lawrence scores in overtime and everyone's going crazy. Hold the presses. We're going to an offsides challenge. And 
they didn't even play the replay on the ESPN plus feed. So of course they waved it off. Um, and then Cornell ends up getting through the overtime with a tie. So again, flag that one, like them having a tie rather than an overtime loss on the record um, might be a bit of a, it might be a deciding factor at the, when the dust settles, mm-hmm. but I had to go back and look at this. Uh, it was 30, almost 40 seconds before the goal sc- was scored. It was one of these, I, again, I don't see how it's really conclusive because it comes down to whether or not, you know, if you know that the skate blade was in contact with the blue line, but it was one of these innocent looking zone entries and it had no effect on the play. It's not like you passed it to the guy that was a, a hair offside. It was another puck handler was just skating in the zone. And one guy happened to have one millimeter of escape length off the ice. Again, don't think it was very conclusive. Cornell ends up touching the puck five times. I counted. They had two shots on goal during this uh, 40 second stretch. And then all after all that, they have to go back and they have to disallow the goal because of a real ticky tacky rule. It just it baffles me it, that these are the standards that we're, we're playing by uh, in 2024. And let's hope that, that doesn't um, come back to all Huskies because again, uh, Jeez, no tie it, tie is better than an overtime loss. Uh, so circle that one, but yeah, Cornell not playing great hockey. Uh, so it's good for the Huskies that they have been slumping of late. Uh, but uh, keep an eye out for that. That's, that's a team you want to keep your eye on because they're going to be right in the mix, not only in the last for, for pairwise sake, but in the ECAC tournament, probably be the main competition for Quinnipiac to steal a second spot for ECAC in the, uh, in the field. Uh, and we also wanted to mention, I was texting you kind of feverishly, really rooting for Dartmouth on Saturday. I'm like, can you figure out why yeah. I am rooting for Dartmouth? I was looking and I was puzzled <laughs> and I was, I was looking for like pairwise scenarios. I was looking for, I was looking for anything and I couldn't figure out why on earth you wanted Dartmouth. I was yeah, I was tr- I was trying to wait for like a brown connection, so I was even trying to see if it was like maybe brown can factor into this since that's my <laughs> the one the one that us Cho favorite, but I couldn't think of anything there. So no, I had no clue. No, with a win, they beat uh, RPI on Friday uh, to move them in their pairwise record, which just doesn't it, the pairwise only counts wins, losses, and ties. They don't really get into the shootout wackiness. So for pairwise, after their Friday win, that moved their record to a an astounding eight, nine, and nine. So if they would have won on Saturday at Union, that would make their record, and they did it. Nine, nine, and nine. Nine, nine, and nine. Nine, 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 nine. <laughs> Smash that button bar. There you go. Uh, this this was bow, this was our one in a million. I did the research in the pairwise era. There's never been a team that's been nine nine and nine. nine. Wow. I, there's hardly been. There's only been. I don't know. I was doing the math. Maybe ten or so teams in the pairwise era, which goes back to o two o three, to have nine ties total in a season. Uh, last time, last team to have nine ties, the 
1819 UNH. Your, your guys. The University of Hardware. How many guys do I have? It's them. It's them. It's them. And it's Brown. Someone else. Brown. And then there was uh, someone else. Who was another one of your darlings uh, earlier this year? I feel Sacred like. Heart. Oh, Sacred Heart. They're, yeah. See, thank you. <laughs> they're definitely your guys. See, you're, there was so much your guys that you knew who I was talking about. Fair, fair so enough. I guess heart. I guess you got a point there. You want to take a guess? We know them quite well. The last team, 2017, 2018. This is the last team to have 10 ties in a season. Uh, 27, 2018 season? 17, 18, yep. Would it be St. Cloud? Nope. Duluth? No. That would have been their title team. Oh, that's right. uh, the Fighting Hawks. Ah, the North Hawks. North Dakota. Because you got to think of it, too. You tie 10 times. You're not that great. You're, you're not able to really finish. That was one of uh, North Dakota's non-tournament teams. Yeah. Um, and as far as I can find the record for most ties, I may have brought this up. I feel like I have maybe last year. There was a team that had 11 ties. Harvard, 2011-2012, had an 11-tie season. Just nuts. Dartmouth has a chance to tie that mark. To tie. To tie the tie. To tie mark. the tie mark. They run out of time here. They only got two regular season games to do it. Obviously, in playoffs, you're not able to tie anymore. So uh, they've got your guys, Brown um, and Yale, this weekend. More importantly to them, they're tied for fourth, which is the top four teams get a first round by in the ECAC, and them hosting a uh, bad Yale team and a bad Brown team and then Clarkson, the team that they're tied with has to play Quinnipiac this weekend kind of have odds on chance that Dartmouth could have a first round bite notable because last year Dartmouth was the dead last team in pairwise uh, even lower than Lindenwood last year for so props to uh, Reed Cashman and the big green for making a jump from the worst team in the country to maybe a, a first round playoff uh, buy in their conference. So, um, and with the weirdest, wackiest record I can ever imagine at nine, nine and nine, uh, it was definitely worth our uh, time here to discuss that, to discuss the Dartmouth uh, team this year. So big, big props to them. And yeah, with hockey East, I was just doing, I was just doing some Boston college 17, 17, 18. We had six ties. That was one of the, that was the first of the number one overall seed years. Yep. 25, nine and six was. And then Larson came the next year with a 36 and three. That was even better. So speaking of very good teams, um, have you, have you watched Boston college at all? Uh, this year, I mean, they're number one in pairwise. Yeah, I watched a little bit of them. Uh, Beanpot, I think. Yeah, because this is the opposite of the CHN East Coast bias. We have a West Coast or a West, not West Coast, but Western college hockey bias on this on this show. It's what our main focus is, and so yeah, we do try to obviously um, watch the other the other leagues, but we just don't focus on them not quite as quite as enough, just because we don't see them enough, but. BC is putting up a damn impressive season. Mm-hmm. They've 25, five and one uh, of those five losses. Three of them are four to three. 
scores, one goal games. They also have a four to two loss and a five to three loss. Both of those were empty netters at the end. So essentially all of their five losses are one goal losses. And so they're not, I mean, every one of these games they're in, I was like, considering that, like they're not that far from like a perfect season. Yeah. Uh, considering that. And this top line of theirs, I mean, Will Smith, Perot, Gautier, and Leonard, all with 45 plus point years. Gautier leading the country now with 29 goals. I mean, they got this Jelvik, uh, Jelvik. He's at 32 points. He's like, he would be the leading scorer on the Huskies, and he's, he's like fifth pony on this team because of all those. Those are all top, the top four that I mentioned, they're all top 10 NHL picks. Perot, I think, was 20th. They're all first-rounders, and most of them were high first-round draft picks. They're probably all gone after this season. Like, Gauthier wanted to leave after last year. Uh, he might win the Hobie this year. He's, I would say, in the top three right now, um, even with the supporting cast. A lot of times, like, teams that have, like, multiple huge scoring point getters kind of cancel each other out. But I think Gauthier, with him being a sophomore – the others being a freshman, he's done this in one previous season before this. I think he's up there with uh, Celebrini from from BU as maybe the top two right now candidates. Uh, they've got a really good goalie too. He's also a freshman. This Jacob Fowler, he was on the um, American World Junior team. Um, this is a damn good team, uh, and just a little bit of appreciation because. Uh, they're kind of flying under our radar just because we don't really pay as much attention to the Eastern leagues, but this is a team that um, is definitely going to be a real tough out. And, you know, St. Cloud's got them on the schedule next year. Like I mentioned, it'd kind of be really in- intriguing if some of those guys that I mentioned were still there. I would again, assume that most of them, they might be like a snugger among them that might, might want to stick around for one more year, but, uh, but I'd say at least three of them are going to be gone. And so, it's going to be a, a they're going to be a real tough out and um, just wanted to, to throw that out there. And I'm sure they're going to be ESPN's darling too. You're going to Bucci's all over them. I <laughs> bet. So we're going to, we're going to be hearing a lot about them uh, come, come tournament time, but a team to reckon with, uh, I think uh, one of the better teams of the 2020s. So yeah. far, I was, uh, I was pretty ticked when I saw that um, because he was still on the board when the wild draft at go to or uh, Perot. Yeah. Perot, Perot was the one that the, the Rangers uh, took at 22. Yeah. yeah. And uh, we ended up picking Charlie yeah. Strammel. And who I would was you rather just have like, what the f- is Garen doing here? Who would you rather have in the stable at oh, this point? My God. <laughs> I was like, what are we doing here? It's like we saw Strammel, right? Jeez. Yes. Yeah, we did in that in that series last year at the Cole so, Center. But um yeah, I mean Boston College and they have also on the pairwise have a big a big lead in RP. They're gonna be the number one They're overall. They're gonna be the seed. number one overall. Yeah. Um you know what I was talking about earlier about that cliff when I said in between nine and ten main, the 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 difference between Maine being a number one seed. So the difference in RPI from nine to four is less than the difference between nine and 10, which kind of tells you how big of a gap there is between nine and 10. So 
you know, obviously it's better to be on the, uh, on the higher side, you know, but you know, you know, it'll be quite a, quite a run. The Huskies have to get on to, to get to, I'll just say a two seed. Um, I don't think it's, I mean, I think the matrix has them as a very low possibility for anything above a three. Yeah. So it's, um, so just, just looking at that, it's, it's exciting. And obviously you want to win to, to, to be on the right side of that bubble, but just to show how fragile that is, I mean, Western Michigan, Colorado College, both dropped out or, or dropped down quite a bit um, on uh, on the weekend. You know, Colorado College, what did they drop down to? Uh, they dropped down to 15. I mean, so they dropped down four spots. Um, and then Western, you know, went from, you know, 10 and then down to 12 now. So they're, I mean, they're still looking pretty good here, but it's we don't have anyone in that 80 range as far as the predictability pairwise matrix, you know, where it's like, there's going to be a lot of people jockeying and, you know, Quinnipiac has uh, beat out the Huskies twice um, in, in the NCAA tournament. I was thinking the same thing right now. might be we're Quinnipiac's biggest fans (laughs) because Cause they, we really need them to win that ECAC. Cause uh, well, I was going to, I thought you were going to say that I was thinking we might be lining up with them in the tournament for a third time. Like if they're going to be a two seed St. Cloud being a three, it's, you could definitely see them in the tournament. If you do match it, match up with them. I want seeds. revenge. I mean, I'm okay with one them. of these. You keep playing them every year in the playoffs. You're, you're going to beat them one at some of these point, times, right? right? Exactly. So, yeah. And he said, so that Western Michigan, you, you have the, the edge over them, even though Western has the RPI advantage, but that can be flipped based on common opponents. St. Cloud has a common opponents edge on, on Western, but you know, Western has, they've taken more points from Denver than St. Cloud has. So, I mean, they can flip that back. Like if Western has a real good weekend this weekend against North Dakota, you know, I don't know if it would flip it this weekend, but it's, they, it, that's still possible. Like if St. Cloud doesn't play very well and, and Western, has a really good last couple of weekends here in the regular season, it's possible they could flip it back. But every, anytime you have like a, a flipped scenario like that, where you have the RPI or you don't have the RPI edge, but you're able to win the comparison based on head to head, it's still got to wait out the, the final couple of weeks here. And you mentioned with that CC loss with Omaha, they lose, they're losing the Omaha comparison too. So now that's three, teams that they're losing comparisons to that are below them in RPI. And from what I can tell, I mean, some of these are head to head uh, based as well. I, the biggest blemish for CC, the thing that's screwing them the most is that Augustana Augustana loss. loss, Yeah. Because that alone is, is killing their uh, comparison to Augustana. Uh, But also the Arizona state and Omaha, because Omaha swept Augustana in a series. And so that factors in the common opponents. It's those, we saw this last year with North Northeastern with Bentley, these single games that you drop can really have a a ripple effect with, uh, with common opponents, with the teams that are right around you. I mean, if they had those three advanced, those three comparisons back, they'd be at 51. They'd be tied there with Massachusetts at 13. 
So, I mean, right now that's the difference between them making the tournament and not if the tournament were to start today, which is it, does that make sense that one game to Augustana would have that much of an effect? Maybe, maybe not. The simple answer would just be to beat Augustana at home. But uh, as it is, it's really costing them. We'll see if that ultimately becomes the factor in them staying at home or going to the dance this year. Yeah. Flipping that one game moves them up to 10. Really? So that would take care of all of those. Would they, do you still have the pairwise grid after you customize it? Yeah. Like, can you see the, so do they flip all three of the, because they flip the Augustana one. They, would they flip the Arizona state one too? Yep. They flip all and, and the Omaha one. Mm -hmm. Wow. And that was also, I mean, that was a one game series or that was, uh, that's what I mean. Like so, it feels like yeah. well, the one game it was, you know, if it was a two game series, yeah, I'm sure if you would have dropped both of them, then it'd be a moot point. But you think that at least you'd have one chance to have a split series. Like if you had, if you just, if you played them twice and split them, I bet you'd probably take at least two of those three comparisons off the table too. So yeah, it's, uh, that one's been a disastrous, uh, non-conference, uh, uh, result for the Tigers so far. And, we were kind of, and we being the CC skeptics, we were kind of, I don't know, were you a bit, um, I don't know, validated by them kind of laying a bit of an egg in Omaha? I mean, not really. They didn't really. play terribly. They didn't play I mean, terribly. That, and also Omaha's on quite a stretch as well right now. I think they've gotten points on like, what, seven of the last eight or something along those lines. So Yeah, they're, they're certainly a decent team, right? I mean, we didn't really mention much of, of Duluth, but. You mentioned uh, last week that the wheels seem to be falling off. Uh, yeah, the six nothing uh, loss to North Dakota would. Yeah, the wheels and maybe the axles are starting to to bend too. Um, we're able to play a little bit more, a little bit more uh, competitively on Saturday. But you're seeing right now what my point is: Miami and Duluth seem like teams that you wouldn't mind drawing in the playoffs, but. Sitting sitting six right now is Omaha. Do you really want to play them in the playoffs? I mean, no. it seems like they're a big jump in in the level of competition between them and, and Omaha or okay. them and uh, Duluth and, and Miami. Oh, I agree. Um, back to that Augustana situation. Um, crazy also that I'm looking at because so we've got Providence at ten, St. Cloud eleven, Western Michigan twelve, Mass. Michigan and then Colorado College at 15. So we modify the game results. We flip that one from Augustana to Colorado College. Yeah, Colorado College 10, St. Cloud 11, Western Michigan 12, Providence drops down to 13. And they're at 10 right now. They're at 10 right now. Wow. wow. What a know. system. <laughs> I'm not even going to guess how that happens. It's just like the RPI would just, I'm sure the RPI is like real tight between those teams. After you do, after you modify that result, there can't be more than a few percentage points separating those teams. Cause I don't know. Cause I, I mean, CC is not a, it's, it, I mean, it's sizable. It's a, I don't I know mean, what would make, what would, what would, screw up the math so much then with that one result. Cause it's not like Augustana or CC is a common opponent with Providence, but I don't know. 
it's 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 math man yeah i'd probably have to dig into it a little bit more well don't dig into it too much this is a hypothetical situation that didn't happen so So, but you can focus on things that actually happened like maybe the women's the women's team let's pivot over to the women's team able to find some scoring uh this week uh, as oh, they time. were, yeah, as they were able to uh, sweep up at uh, Bemidji uh, Friday, uh, they won five to one, um, and then on Saturday, uh, able to win six to two. A little bit of a tenser situation there. About halfway through the game, it was two to one Bemidji, but um, uh, Gentry decided just to have enough of that. So, um. But um, overall, uh, on the weekend, I, w- I was happy with the with the Huskies and how they played. And I was, it, it's not a surprise because I don't think like, I don't think they were playing terribly against the gauntlet by any means. They just weren't no. able to 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 put the puck in the back of the net. Bemidji is a team that you should be able to put the puck in the net. Um, so it was one of those situations is like, just just get some confidence you know, get some offense going and then, you know, at least get that, you know, feeling of optimism before you go into the playoffs against Duluth. And um, sure enough. And, you know, what I really like to saw is that Greta Henderson um, Mm -hmm. gets the hat trick in, in Friday's game scored one goal um, all year. Um, So to get three, this game, kind of a Nokabi coming out party, I guess. Um, and uh, kind of able to take the game over. Gentry had a goal, um, and Kaufman as well. Um, but it was a game I didn't feel was really ever in doubt. Um, you know, we limited uh, Bemidji, didn't get a lot of really good chances. Um, JoJo did get the get the start that game, um, even after getting both games against uh, Duluth. JoJo gets the start. Um, Ahola got the one on Saturday. But uh, really happy with how the game played, how the Huskies played, and able to get some offense going. Yeah, it was very nice to see, and you know, being able to score in bunches too. Uh, you know, Hattrick each game with Henderson. Uh, yeah, with Henderson on Friday and Gentry, uh, Gentry on Saturday, a natural Hattrick um, on Saturday, three in a row. Do you count it natural? I've heard some people say it's got to be all the same period. Um, but I've always just did it if it's three in a row. But I just, I usually say just three in a row. I don't, I don't feel like we need to make it harder than it needs to be. However, it's yeah, kind of like when people argue that like the grand slam should be all four in a calendar year. And it's the tiger slam since he held all four at once, but it was in a different calendar year. And it's just like, it's never happened before. <laughs> like don't make it your own thing. Just, but anyway, we digress. Uh, <laughs> yeah, goalies played well. Um, when I saw uh, Joback playing on Friday, I'm like, maybe he's just playing her for the rest of the way here. Glad to see a hole and get the start on Saturday. Gets to the assist. Gets uh, an assist. Boot. Gets a point. Uh, that's right. And so you know, getting the goalies into the, the offense. Maybe that's what we needed this whole time. You know, yep. Relying on, on the forwards to score. Maybe just getting the, the goalies uh, involved into the mix. That was maybe the secret, but yeah, it was, uh, it was, you took care of business and he did it in a way that was convincing. As you said, the Saturday game, 
got a little hairy there in the second period when you when you fell behind. But uh, once you were able to right the ship, it it really wasn't in in much doubt. And yeah, if you're going to drop any scenario in, in order to try to get some momentum generated here for the playoffs, this is the way to do it. Um, with an 11 goal weekend and some some you know some dominant performances at that uh so yeah very nice to see um gentry i think was especially i mean i i'm kind of torn between powell because henderson kind of took that game over on friday and i like to see some depth scoring there but in the same sense with with gentry seeing her being able to take over a game as she did on saturday as you mentioned just like when she just pick the puck up, kind of just look at the defense, look at like the massive holes that they were getting yeah. and, and just being like, all right, I, I'm just going to score. You're just gonna let me with You're going to allow me this much space. I guess I'll just go in and score then. Like, um, and that's obviously I love to see it. And she has some amazing moves out there. A little bit of me was just also a little bit frustrated. Like where was these the last six games? <laughs> You know, it was just, it was just kind of like, ah, because it was such a dominant, it was literally like a flip of a switch. Gentry was like, okay, that that's enough. I'm just, and I don't don't know if you like channeled her in her Abby Murphy or whatnot, that was just able to be like, see her uh, this weekend. I did. With that empty netter, the empty netter just winds up takes a clapper. She's she's uh she should be happy she's not in the NHL. Yeah, exactly. she would have gotten a cross check to the face there, mm-hmm. uh, and have her coach uh, the the other coach defend that goon move. So yeah, I'm trying to think. She's of lucky. A, trying to think of like a I because uh, I tweeted out that she's the uh, she's the heel of the WCHA. So I'm trying to think like if there's a better a better heel like she like the ted dibiase i guess of but is that that's a wrestling that's a wrestling reference yes it is that i don't get i knew Uh, it was wrestling though okay yes ted dibiase was the million dollar man okay so um but he was a heel he was a heel means bad guy well i know that okay i've got that um you put that in your crossword clues a few times I think I actually may have. I've yeah. put. Um, it feels like there's a lot of vowels in. Like it feels like that'd be an easy one to do. What's the um, what what's the term? I've, I've used gold. It before. <laughs> that. <laughs> what's the term for? It's a uh, little shorts one. <laughs> K kayfabe. kayfabe. I put that. Yep. I, I was the first person to put that in a puzzle before. No, oh. um, that hadn't been in there before, but. Really? I use that a lot outside of a wrestling context. I think it's a word that you can apply to a lot of different contexts. Just the the guise of mm-hmm. reality, um, yeah. and so it's it's a good one. Well, I think there's no kayfabe with Abby Murphy. I think everyone just absolutely hates her. <laughs> so, I would agree, uh, but um, at any rate, uh, but yeah, Gentry just it was just. It was, it was just like the way she was able, just her presence and able to command. Um, it's the right pick for a pow. Um, but I think I'm still going to give it to Greta Henderson. Um, just because of it's the depth that is just so needed. And for her to set up and get some confidence. And also I think it was what her third goal too. It was just kind of a snipe. Um, 
She had one on Saturday too that they took off the board. They took off well. the board on that one. Um, she did get so an she got a, a, a bigger weekend than than what she ended up at. Yeah. So I'm going to still give it to Gentry. I, I feel like um, it's not a bad pick. I, I like to motivate, you know, when, oh, when, with my pal and playoffs. There you, you, go. you go as far as your play as your stars go in mm-hmm. the playoffs. I think you know we're going to need a performance like that. Uh, yeah, obviously, I'm thrilled to see. Henderson score any, any, any kind of goals you get aside from, you know, the, the usual suspects um, are definitely welcome signs, but I think uh, these games against Duluth are going to be low scoring. Um, and it's, I think it's going to ultimately be each team's star players. You're going to look at Gentry, Lind, Himmlerova for the Huskies. You're going to look at Hunt, uh, McMahon, you're going to look at the usual suspects for both these teams, the te- the players on the top of those score sheets. I think those are where the offense, which is going to be at a premium this weekend. I think that's where you're going to find those scores. Yeah. And if we can, we can have a dominant performance like that from, from Gentry who, yeah, has been running hot and cold uh, this year. Uh, if we get her on this hot streak and keep that going uh, for this next coming weekend, I, I think that's going to be, perhaps the deciding factor and yeah, really, really excited for this, for this series. Uh, you know, you, you were just there just at Amsoil uh, and it, you know, very close to having a much better weekend than you actually did. I mean, I think they were thrilled to have that shootout win. Did you see the last uh, dump and change? I, I like did. how they've been doing these, like these traveling, um, Vlogs. They call them vlogs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can tell that, yeah, shootout win. Um, I, I gave it, I gave it. it I'll, I'll give it a little bit of a, a plug on Twitter. And then Avery Myers started following me, which I think is like, look at you, the first player uh, to willfully follow me on any type of social. Don't know how I feel about it. I've got a couple parents and I still feel weird about that. If I like trash Anhorn and I know Jody follows me. So I apologize. But you're in the, you're in the fam. So you're, I, mean, you're <laughs> I mean, that's also true. <laughs> My Anhorn bloodline goes. So it's, um, but it's, so I don't know. Like when I saw that, I was like, Oh, oh I gotta, I gotta be careful. What is but you know, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna censor myself. You know. You're forewarned. Anyone yep. who watches, I don't know why you, you would listen to us. <laughs> Sometimes we come with some criticism. Yep, exactly. That's how you, it goes. You, 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 we say it with Don't love. tune in if you can't face the wrath. Yep, that's right. <laughs> if, and if you're so. Todd Anderson, you're listening to this, give me your number. I, yeah. I, I can give you a personal message. <laughs> um, <laughs> we have... Um, but yeah, I mean, those vlogs have been a lot of fun to, you know, kind of peel back the curtain. And yeah, like you said, after that, you know, I was, I was very ho-hum subdued about that shootout victory. Cause obviously we're, we're not, we don't have the adrenaline pump and we see the big picture, you know, we're not in that heat of the moment type of situation. I mean, they were pumped. I mean, they were excited. They were, they were absolutely thrilled. So, I mean, so I was just kind of, you know, kind of put it in perspective a little bit for me. And I really like that they, they're doing this. And it's a bummer that they're doing this just at the end of the season. And since this is Avery Myers last season and 
probably going to be the last time doing this, but I, well, I, I hope somebody hope takes get, up the mantle. Yeah. Well, let's hope we get some extra bonus episodes. Like, yeah. On the road to the NCAAs. Uh, St. Cloud does hold the aggregate goal total um, over Duluth. So um, that's, uh, that's something. Meaning what? They, 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 They've goal scored differential? more goals against Duluth than Duluth has oh, scored okay. against us. And yeah, a couple of those were the empty netters, I think, on the. Not, hey, no, stop it. <laughs> they all count the same. They all count the same. Just ask Abby Murphy. Just ask so. uh, uh, Matt Davis. <laughs> <laughs> They'll ruin your shutout. Well, don't ask him. Ask, ask the empty net. Yes. Goaltender. Gold yep, exactly. So they've never made a save ever. Yeah. But I find it really interesting, especially because they're when they were like talking about the uh like the locker rooms and whatnot and i am a little bit surprised in how like amsoil's women's locker room that was pretty janky setup like this l shape like very <laughs> narrow very like small and then they even talked about how ritters isn't even that good and like i thought that was really interesting uh but like their team bus and their outings and and then and uh, everything along those lines. I don't know. It's a cool, you know, you know, 25 minute or so, like peel back the curtain type thing. And I like when they do that and it shows a lot of the personality of the team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, well, let's, um, I don't know, set the stage a little bit here. I mean, we, we talked about it last week after the regular season series in Duluth, knowing that you're going to come back no matter what the result was in Bemidji. And still at 10th in pairwise. I mean, these games against Bemidji, more moral victories than anything, because it yeah. really didn't help you much in the pairwise because Bemidji is so bad. But uh, I still think with Quinnipiac at eight, uh, St. Lawrence at seven, I should mention them too, because I don't think they've clinched anything yet either. And then Duluth at nine and St. Cloud at 10. As it's shaking out, you definitely need to win this series. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to go to the final faceoff, which is at Ritter. And depending on, like, if you sweep Duluth, uh, it, again, it depends on the other, those other teams, the ECAC teams I mentioned, St. Lawrence and Quinnipiac. Depends on their results as well. But I have a feeling that sweeping Duluth, you might need another win in the final face-off to maybe put you in the top eight. And that would require you beating Ohio state. Just trying to lay the uh, groundwork here that it's, I, we don't have a pairwise probability matrix. Uh, Ostro doesn't have that feature and Woden doesn't have a desire to put the matrix up for the women's uh, pairwise. He doesn't have the women's pairwise up. So he doesn't have the women's pairwise. He doesn't have a desire to cover women's. I think he covers women's just as kind of a shut up. People talking about covering women's here's the bare minimum. (laughs) Yeah. He doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't have that on, uh, he doesn't update the, I mean, he's got the scoreboard going on his website, but that's not available in the Android app. It's frustrating. That's why I have to use the Ustro app, which is slug. That's kludgy in its own way. And I don't like it either, but so I got to depend on Ustro for any, um, but I, so if they were to have a matrix for the women's, I would assume St. Clouds is 10%, 15. 
I don't know. I feel it's got to be pretty low. Yeah. Um, and, but it's doable. And if we want to have rooting interests for this weekend, for Huskies fans that are wanting to tune in and follow the women's team this weekend, obviously right in front of you, you want the Huskies to, to beat Duluth. If, the, if you lose to Duluth, you're done no matter what. Mm-hmm. Even if that's two games, three game series, whatever. If you don't win this series, there's not going to be any tournament. Also, just keep that in mind too. 17 wins on the year. And I think 19 is the uh 18. I, is it 18 is the mm-hmm. is the um school record for a yep. season. So you got that on the line too. You win this series, you you clinch the uh, a school record in wins. You if you go to three games, at least this weekend, you're clinching a winning season, which that might be the first time that's happened. There's been a winning season in St. Cloud women's history. I don't think there has been. Certainly has not been a, an NCAA tournament appearance. We know that. So, I mean, we we're on the precipice of making some history here, but like I said, you're skating uphill uh, and it, it's somewhat of a remote, remote possibility at this point, but so that's the number one the rooting interest is the Huskies to 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 beat Duluth, and I still think that's definitely doable. I mean, the uh, the O seven O eight team was eighteen fifteen and five, and that would have been one of your teams. That was that my team. Yep. Okay. That was eighteen fifteen and one. Did you say five? And five. So, do you know how many times they've made the final faceoff? Because that can't be too many times that they've made that. I think that was their only time. So, I and mean, pop quiz, do you want to guess on who they beat? It was a three-game series. They beat in the playoffs. I'm going to say Ohio State. That is correct, Ohio State. I think you brought that up. I, I'm not oh. going to take complete credit for that, but I think mm. you brought that up at some point in the past. Yep, Ohio State, and it was a home series. Because, again, Ohio State at that time wasn't great. Not, not very good. That was, um, but it, they, they took them to game three. Yep, 4-2, oh, 3 and then 5-3. Random box score time. Yeah. So would this have been at, so St. Cloud was the home team. Yes. So they must've been fourth. Yeah. The they league? were four or five. Yep. Okay. Um, yeah, let's go. Uh, Caitlin Hogan, Megan Fison, Britton Schroeder, Laura fast. Yeah, these are all your favorites. These are all my favorites. Yeah. St. Cloud jumped up to a four, nothing lead. And then into the third this is- year. This is the the game three. This is game three. Yep. Okay. Four so four four nothing. Yep. Going into the third, um, and then Ohio State scores two in the first five minutes. St. Cloud takes a timeout, uh, and then five minutes later, Ohio State scores again to make it four to three. You are sweating bullets up in the press box at this point. Very much so. Because you're just, you're scared about having to go to Geeson <laughs> after that game and going, Jeff, 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 what uh, happened there, bud? Um, <laughs> game winner, Caitlin Hogan at the 1923 mark. Ooh, was it an empty netter? So it was four to three. Oh, sorry. Yes. Four to three. Oh, I thought you were going to say, I thought you were going to say that they scored an empty netter and then Ohio state scored one to make it five to four. So that the game winning goal would have been an empty netter. Cause I always love those. Oh, nope. Not this time. 
Um, so but, it was five to three was the final. Yeah, five to three was the final. Caitlin Hogan shorthanded clincher. It doesn't was say it an empty, empty netter? netter. It doesn't say. I feel like it should be. I mean, probably. Like Ohio was. State would have would have. Uh, that's an Ustro box score that we're relying on. No, not an empty stats? netter. Yeah, not an empty netter. Uh, college hockey stats. Really? So Ohio State would have had the power play and not pulled for a two man advantage. Mm-mm. Down by one. Nope. You probably you should you would you should have uh, who would have been the Ohio State coach? You could have grilled them, been like, "Why weren't you pulling that goalie there, I'm coach?" Pretty sure I'm not gonna. I wasn't gonna do that, especially <laughs> as a student. Uh, the next game, uh, so we go to the uh, WCHA final faceoff semifinal uh, against Minnesota Duluth. And I'm going to guess that they lost. And they lost nine to nothing. <laughs> Was that? Have they Minnes- always played? Have they always played it at Ritter? Or I know they per- played it at um, at Laban sometimes. At, at least in the recent years, I think they played. They maybe rotated between the two. But this one would have been at Ritter. Um, this one it doesn't say. I believe so, though. Okay. For some um, reason, I thought that they they played them. Yeah, but Minnesota Duluth. Um, Minnesota Duluth this season was thirty-four and one. So it's probably been in that era where. So now we have like the top four, and even Duluth is kind of not really in that top four anymore. It's really kind of the top three. But back then, Ohio State, as we mentioned, just they were the team that St. Cloud beat. We're not at the echelon that they're at now, obviously. So it was really just the Minnesota, the Wisconsin, the Duluth kind of domination. Yeah. But there would seem to be a team that would come up for every couple of years, like playing Bemidji. Do you remember? It was, I don't know when they had like two or three years. I feel like where they were like in fourth place or so. I remember right after Scanlon got there, it seemed like they had a couple of decent years where it's kind of turning heads. It's kind of doing like an Adolski kind of thing where, you know, they hire him and he comes in and has a, some, some early success. It's just not been able to sustain that. But yeah, in that sort of before Ohio state emerged, there was a kind of a vacuum as far as like the, the middle of the pack of the WCHA. There would always kind of be a shuffling of oh, one team out. Yeah, St. Cloud can, can get a fourth place finish one year. And, you know, Ohio state can randomly do it one year when they're not all that great. And, uh, and so it's it's interesting how the league has evolved. We're, yep. And so, yeah, and now we're, we're said in the playoffs, mentioning, so winning this series obviously is key for St. Cloud, and you might need to win at least one game. You might need to win out. I mean, it's, if we had the matrix in front of us, we would be able to know for sure if you needed to win out. That very well might be the case. But in terms of scenarios that don't involve that if you're going to root hard against some teams. So we got the ECAC playoffs uh, starting in earnest this weekend. They had the play-in games this last weekend, uh, the top four teams getting buys. So we've got Cornell hosting Quinnipiac. You want to root for Cornell in that series, and you, you probably want Cornell to sweep that series, really, because Quinnipiac had eight they're the team that's right on the edge. Cornell, I've mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, fairly safe to make the tournament. And so we want them to win that series. And we would really like them to sweep that series. 
as far as the St. Lawrence, they play Yale. Now, Yale's not terrible. They're like 14th in pairwise, 12, 14th, somewhere in that, in that range. And Yale, they're a team that needs to win the ECAC tournament to get in. We want, we want to root for Yale in that series. Because again, like Quinnipiac, I think St. Lawrence is more solid than Quinnipiac is. Uh, but if they can lose games this weekend, that would drop them and potentially get them in vulnerable position to be jumped by a uh, WCHA team, which we hope would be the Huskies. So, uh, and it'd be a remote chance. If, if Yale wins that series, I'd still think it's a very long shot that they would be able to beat two game, you know, win two games against the likes of Colgate and Clarkson and Cornell in the second round of the, of the tournament. So root for Yale and then root for Cornell this weekend, uh, because we want St. Lawrence and Quinnipiac to drop off. Those would be your big rooting interests this weekend. Um, what do you, how, how are you feeling about this, this series in Duluth? Because I've said it several times throughout the year. These teams are virtually identical. Yeah. And because of that, I don't know if we can even, there's not a ton to analyze here. It's like whoever plays better this weekend and it's going to be, I think that we're going to see two to one and maybe one, nothing games. I think these are going to be extremely low scoring affairs. Yeah, I agree. I think it's going to be a lot of the same. I mean, it felt like kind of a playoff game uh, when we saw them uh, this previous weekend. So I, I expect just kind of more of the same. Um, you know, my main thing then is what do you do for goal? Do you go back with Chovac? Um, I think Chovac starts on Friday for sure. I mean, I think that's if Chovac's playing Fridays and the whole of Saturday, that's what we were doing the second half. We only switched that up in the last Duluth series in the last Duluth series when he gave Chovac both games. I'd say you start with her on Friday. Um, she's going to have a little extra motivation. Right. Um, and I, I, I think I would not be surprised. I, I probably would say more than likely she's going to get every game this series. Yeah. Chobak. I don't know how Duluth's going to play it too, because they're in kind of a similar boat with McLeod and Gascon. They've been flip-flopping basically the entire year as well. And I don't know if, again, conventional wisdom at playoff time, you want to ride your hot hand. So I don't know if they pick one of those two and ride, ride them through the entire postseason or not, we shall see. I mean, whoever loses this series is done. So there's mm-hmm. a lot on the line. And you're going to get, I think, the most... I think this is going to be a physical series. Uh, it's going to be a battle. It's going to be a war. And who's going who's gonna to survive? It's going to be a war of attrition this weekend, I think. But... I don't know. I, I like that you were able to pound on Bemidji here, get a little bit of practice, you know, get some confidence going into this weekend. I feel a lot better going into this series than I would have if you were coming off the last Duluth series. Like if you're playing them two series in a row, I feel a lot better having a little bit of a, a little bit of fun in Bemidji in between those two series. So I certainly don't think St. Cloud is going to get swept this weekend. And I've got a, I think a good chance that they were able to, I'll go, uh, I'll go win in three 
Winning three? Winning three. I like it. So let's do a, a quick prop bet then. Over under goals scored in the series. Total between the two teams? Total between the two teams. Seven and a half. I'm thinking two to one and one nothing. That's a good, that's a good number. <laughs> I, I wouldn't put it. I was a little bit I, worried. I was thinking about eight and a half and then I went to seven and a half. And it could just be two games too. I mean, yeah, so you got to figure that. Yeah, that's also true. Oh God. I'm going under. Okay, I'll go over. I, I think I'll go over. three games of one nothing in this. I'll go over these. just to be different so we can make it interesting. Contrarian. Because maybe there can be some empty netters involved too. That's so true. That's true. We'll see. Could lose but the I, that way. My heart is with the under on that, but yep. to make it interesting, I'll, I'll, I'll go over. Yep, definitely. Nope, I agree. Or I don't agree, but I agree with your heart at least. And are you are you thinking Huskies, it's going to be Huskies first prevail? game six to five? Just yeah. it'll, it'll knock over the, the the over will be will be sold after the first uh, the first right exactly matchup. Are you so, going? Are you going Cardinal and Black? Um, I don't want to pressure am, you. Am I going with my heart or am I going with my head? Give me your head. I know where your heart's at. Um, the head. I'm going Duluth. I don't want to, and it hurts me saying it. But are you going? Duluth making the NCAAs if you're assuming that they're going to beat the Huskies. Yes. So you do think they're going to edge out one of these ECAC teams? I think so. We shall see. It's a fun time of year. As I mentioned, we've got playoffs going. We've actually got, by this time next week, we'll have a team in the tournament because the uh, CHA, their championship game is Saturday. One and done for a berth in the tournament, and that's between Mercyhurst going to Penn State. And throughout our throughout this year, I've taken Mercyhurst, and you've taken Penn State to get that CHA berth. Mm-hmm. So we got to stick with that. We have so to. everything's on the line there on Saturday night in uh, at Penn in Penn State. State. It's at campus sites. Yeah, uh, WCHA is the only team in women's on the women's side that has a quote unquote neutral site <laughs> uh final round i mean that is on the gophers campus site but every other league plays every game at a campus at the higher seed of the campus um of the campus venue of the higher seed so uh wcha is, is still clinging to the to the old tradition which seems to be working from their perspective they at least get some decent crowds there so but let's hope St. Cloud is in the mix there. Um, we'll see who is that field next week because right. we'll have our, our final four. And I don't see, I mean, the other, do we need to handicap any of the other WCHA matchups? Because uh, I think we can no. pencil in Ohio State, Wisconsin, <laughs> I mean, and Minnesota. Yeah. So. The Minnesota Mankato is probably the closest, but uh, I still would be shocked if that even goes a third game. So yep. you'd assume those three teams are going to make it. And then one of these, it's the, the big, what if, or the question mark is who's going to, who's going to be the fourth team. And we'll find out this weekend. Hopefully it's the Huskies. Exactly. 
Uh, questions um, uh, from Clint. Uh, is Posh's job from now on, wouldn't you think? I would think. Uh, That's what I, I would do, so. but I, I don't. I don't make the the decisions. Yeah. But I was. Yeah, I, I, was, I think you got to go with Posh, especially Friday. I mean, especially yeah. after a shutout, um, and then you played well against Denver um, at Denver. So I, th- I think you go with him, and you know maybe get Bassy a start later on. But I, th- I think it's Posh's job to lose right now. And it, it really doesn't matter what we think. It's it's what Larson thinks. And from what I can gather, I think he has confidence in Posh. Yeah. I think he likes him a lot. So that might that might be the ultimate deciding factor. But um, it feels like Posh has a big fan uh, in the head coach. So mm-hmm. we shall the see. But I would, matters. at this point, like I said, I was shocked to see Posh on Friday start against Western. I would be shocked if he doesn't start on Friday against yeah. Denver. I agree. Uh, Eric Samora with the remaining games left. What do you think is the most doable slash likely path to the NCAAs? Uh, Like split with Duluth split with Denver, win the first round and then even lose in the quarters. Um, And then even if they lose in the quarters. So like, what do you think would be maybe like the bare minimum realistic requirements for us to still make the tournament? That's always, and that's really tough considering how fragile this bubble is right now. Cause I mean, who knows? We could drop to 13, 14. And if we're not, you know, if Quinnipiac doesn't win ECAC and this spot goes somewhere else, you know, that's, uh, that, that, that's going to be, you know, obviously we're going to need to win it's one more. more slot. Cut, cut line moves to 13 then. Yeah. So I would say split Duluth or split Denver. I think you got to sweep Duluth. Where are they at in the pairwise? 27. 27. Not great. Not terrible. Um, You probably, I mean, that's the thing. Like you, you could split Duluth and then win the seat. Like a lot of this depends on the other, the other contenders, how they do. Like if, yeah if Cornell and Michigan and UMass and New Hampshire all rip off, they go, they go undefeated until the conference title game. Like it doesn't matter how well St. Cloud does. Like they could all pass you. So, I mean, it, it's all kind of dependent on the context of how everybody else is doing. I will say that I like our chances. If we make the X, I would agree with that. Yeah, and I, I, I'm not I mean, even sure. Go I, completely bottom up during these last two series. I would but. say a split against Denver is not going to hurt you. Correct. I don't even think a loss and an overtime loss will hurt you that much. And I'm not sure, like, I'm not sure a split against Duluth will kill you. Like, getting swept at Duluth will kill you. But I'm not sure that a split on the road it might not be all that terrible. And then it depends on who you draw in the first round. Cause like I said, yeah. if it's between like, you might draw Omaha, Omaha is like a top 20 team, two wins against them could offset the damage potentially that you would, if you would have dropped one of those Duluth games. So I don't know. It's, it's tough. Like, do you want to just get 
do you just want to rack up some wins or do you want to get some quality wins, which might come at the cost of going to thir- a third game against a team like Western Michigan in the playoffs or, or Omaha, something like that. I don't know. It's, uh, it's all part of the math that I don't quite understand, but I, yeah, your, your metric there of making the X, I would say that's probably going to be enough, yeah. but I could be wrong. We'll, 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 we shall see how they get there. I mean, yeah, that's it's a lot of different avenues to that, but, mm-hmm. um, uh, I just, we, we just got to let the games play out and just focus on Denver this weekend. Like I said that getting a split this weekend, but getting like more than us, more than a split this weekend. We're really getting interesting. Yeah. I think yeah, exactly. So, well, that about does her, uh, yeah, this episode. So thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Weldy at More Clappers, M-O-A-R, More Clappers. Andrew, we can find you at? Andrew at uh, greenground.net, as well as email, uh, which is huskieshockeypodcast at gmail.com. Send me an email, Todd Anderson. We have a lovely conversation. <laughs> We're right here. We're right here. Come at us, bro. <laughs> so... Perfect. Uh, Until next time, go Huskies. Woo!